1: Speak now to our hearts. We're waiting before you. We're quiet before you. We're expecting to hear from you. A word, Lord, that we need. We need because of what has happened to us in the past, what may be happening to us now, or what is going to happen to us. And you're faithful, so give us the word that we need today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you turn in your Bible, please, to Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Please follow along here as I read. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking and it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me I will do. Now, so far, what we've seen in Ruth is how a man, Eli Melech, was faced with famine in his own country there in Israel and he decided to take his family, which consisted of his wife, Naomi, their two sons, and leave their city of Bethlehem, leave their people of Israel, and go to the foreign enemy land of Moab, and for what they all hoped would be a brighter future. And we saw how it was just one death after another that just tragically reduced this family to poverty. First, the husband dies, Eli Melek, and, and the family wonders, how are we ever gonna survive without a father? Then the two sons found wives among the Moabites. Things were looking up. They tries to right, right, get themselves above the circumstances there. But then again, death strikes two more times as the first son dies. Then the second son dies. And finally, Naomi finds herself a widow, impoverished, the mother of two dead sons, and all she's got left are these two Moabite daughters in laws. very dark, very bleak for her, and we watched as Naomi's spirit just was crushed as she thought that God was against her, that God was holding up her sins in front of him, and he was testifying against her because of her sins. And we saw how Naomi felt that all she could do was just to crawl her way back to Bethlehem with nothing. And we saw how Naomi then turns and discourages her two Moabite daughters-in-law from going with her to Bethlehem. And we saw how Naomi was successful in discouraging one of her Moabite daughters-in-law, Orpah, from going with her back to Bethlehem. And we sadly watched Orpah Make that decision, turn back to her people, turn back to her gods. What a tragedy that was for us to watch. But then we saw how Naomi, the other Moabite daughter-in-law, could not be discouraged, that Naomi was not going to be able to discourage Ruth, the Moabite daughter-in-law. And we saw how Naomi had no idea of the treasure that she had in her daughter-in-law. Then later, Did she come to see this truth? At the end of the book, we're gonna read about this when others will say to Naomi about Ruth in Ruth chapter four, verse 14. This is the women of Bethlehem. They said unto Naomi, blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman that his name may be famous in Israel and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law. That's Ruth which loveth thee is better to thee than seven sons. Now, we saw how Ruth, she just really broke through all the obstacles that was in front of her. She had obstacles. She was gonna leave her people. She had to overcome the prejudice when she came into Israel, that it was all this prejudice against her, but all of that she pressed through in her decision to take action. She was going to to be active in loving Naomi and staying with Naomi until death, as she put it in Ruth chapter 1, 16, the statement of her resolve. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. So we saw how those were just they weren't just words that Ruth had said, but those were words that she put into action. And that's what we've been seeing here is the outplay of her resolve. And this action was crystallized as we saw her enter into Bethlehem. Here was Naomi. She was weak, she was bitter, she was crushed in spirit. And here was, by contrast, Ruth, she was strong, she was vibrant, she was hopeful, she was determined, she's going to take care of Naomi. So that's how chapter two opened for us, where we saw Ruth taking care of Naomi. But when we see this in chapter two, really we can see something here, which is Ruth taking the initiative to take care of Naomi. Naomi. That's how this opening of chapter two really is. It's so significant when we read this in the second verse of chapter two. Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She said unto her, go my daughter. So when we look at Ruth there, what she did for Naomi, we can see this phrase emerge from what Ruth did for Naomi. And the phrase is, Ruth took the initiative Of care. She took the initiative of care. It's so easy for us to see all these needs all around us of everyone and do nothing about it. But what a challenge it is for us to look around us for needs. And for us to follow Ruth and do what she did, take the initiative of care. I'm sure when Russ was back in Minnesota and he went to that rest home there, I know Russ, he took the initiative to go find that classmate of his and the others and to speak to them about the Lord Jesus Christ as he did to the 16 year old sitting next to him on the plane. That's taking the initiative of care. And so chapter two opens with us with this scene of Ruth and Naomi both reduced to nothing. They had nothing, but they had each other. And Ruth was stronger than Naomi. So Ruth took the initiative of care to take care of Naomi. So she asked Naomi, can I please have permission so I can go out into the field and the ears of corn? It's a beautiful picture for us in chapter two. In verse two where we read, and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi. These words, you know, the way God constructs these verses for us, it's, it's emphasizing to Ruth, not her flesh and blood. Ruth the Moabitess says these things. It's beautiful because it's a picture of Ruth, the stronger one, taking care of Naomi, the weaker one. Beautiful picture here of what it means in Romans 15.1 where it says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's a verse that describes the initiative of care. There was Naomi, she's weak, She's discouraged, she's depressed, she's blaming God, and she says these horrible things in chapter one, verse 20, 20, when she says unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, bitterness, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again, empty. Why then call you me Naomi, which means pleasantness, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? If we were Ruth, and we heard her say that? What would we have heard? I mean, this is pretty shocking. I came in and now I have nothing. What's Ruth supposed to say? Well, what am I, chopped liver? I mean, Ruth, really? You know, Ruth could have dropped her head. She didn't do this, thank God. But she could have rebuked Naomi and said, a fine believer, you are. I mean, you're the one who tells me about God and now you're blaming God. I mean, you're a disgrace with the name of God. What kind of testimony are you to these people that you're meeting again in Bethlehem? She didn't do that. I mean, what Ruth did was beautiful. She said nothing about Naomi's harsh words that were against God. It was as if we could almost see Ruth acting as though she never even heard it. I didn't hear it, I didn't hear it. Just just clung to the bright side. Oh, Naomi, she's just in a rut temporarily. She'll come out of it. And instead, Ruth realized that Naomi was in great need and Ruth committed herself to helping Naomi in that need. Ruth was strong, Naomi was weak and strong Ruth bore the infirmities of weak Naomi. Ruth was young, Ruth was beautiful, Naomi was old, Naomi was wrinkly, and if Ruth had decided to please herself, then Ruth would have seen all those handsome young men when she came there to Israel and said, well, things are looking up. You know, I can marry one of them and get taken care of instead of wasting my life, taking care of this old, complaining, bitter Naomi. Now, she didn't do that, and that's the beauty of this. And if Ruth had done that, she would have pleased herself. But Ruth sacrificed herself, and she sacrificed her own interest to take care of Naomi. And what Ruth did for Naomi, it just stands for us like a monument, an example of what we should do to those who are discouraged, to those who are weak in faith, as it says in Romans 14.1, Romans 14.1, him that is weak in faith, receive ye. In Isaiah 35, 3, the command, strengthen ye the weak hands, confirm the feeble knees, say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not, your God will come with vengeance, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. So in chapter two, what we've seen here is how Ruth, stronger, was taking care of Naomi, the weaker. Now, we come to chapter three. That was chapter two. Now we come to chapter three. And in the first verse, we read these words. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that I may be well with thee? This is great. This is great because now it's not Naomi who's weak. What we see here is that, that Naomi is recovered. And now it's Naomi who's taking the initiative of care for Ruth. This is wonderful because Ruth has helped her. She's recovered. Ruth took the initiative of care. Naomi has recovered. Now Ruth is a little weak. Naomi's stronger. She's taking the initiative of care. So the first thing that Naomi does when she takes this initiative of care, in verse one, is she says to Ruth, she calls her, my daughter. Those are such sweet words. I mean, Ruth must have just said, oh, I love it when you say that. My daughter. I mean, we've seen this before, but here we see it again. Don't miss in verse one how Our writer, our narrator, God through somebody wrote this history for us. And he's emphasizing to us in verse one, Naomi's relationship to Ruth when it says, Naomi, her mother-in-law. That's a clear message behind that. It's written in verse one when it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter. You know, Naomi is identified as Ruth's mother-in-law, but the fact that Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law has already been stated for us five times in this book in verse 11 and verse 18, verse 19, verse 23, over and over. So clearly we know that Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law, but it's stated here to emphasize, it's again emphasized in verse one that Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. It's set as a backdrop so that when she calls Ruth my daughter, it's like, wow. She's not seen as a mother-in-law part, the in-law part. Naomi was not caring for Ruth as a daughter-in-law, but she was caring for Ruth as a daughter. But Naomi is pushing aside the daughter-in-law part and embracing Ruth as her daughter. And that's a message for us because we have a closer bond to other believers, ourselves, and not only ourselves, other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ than we do to the person who's not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That bonds should cause us to cross the barriers. That's the other phrase in this book. You cross the barriers of outward differences, such as skin color. This is the phrase, cross the barriers of outward differences. When it comes to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is colorblind, and so should we be. And that's what Naomi did for Ruth. Naomi crossed the barrier of national origin, and she no longer saw Ruth as a Moabite, even though it's emphasized for us by the narrator here about Naomi. She doesn't see her as a Moabite, but she doesn't see her as her daughter-in-law. She sees her as her own daughter. So it's very significant in verse 1. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter... We see Naomi here, she's crossing the barrier of outward differences to love Ruth as her own daughter. And so, Naomi's crossed this barrier of outward differences and she takes the initiative of care. Now, from Naomi's next words, we see what it looks like when a person like Naomi crosses the barrier of outward differences and takes the initiative of care for Ruth. Well, it looks like verse one, shall not I seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? See, Naomi's statement, shall not I seek rest from thee? We can see that Naomi has found a particular, particular need in Ruth. And Naomi's now going to give herself to meeting that need, that particular need in Ruth's life. You know, this shows us something about Naomi. This shows us that Naomi has been doing something that every mother and every father should do. Naomi has been carefully studying Ruth. Naomi has made Ruth her constant study. Naomi has been watching Ruth and observing her personality. She's been observing her feelings. She's come to the conclusion, oh, Ruth really needs a home of rest. And when we see how Naomi has studied Ruth, taking the initiative care, she's studying Ruth, and crossing the barrier of outward differences, looking at her as her daughter. She's studying Ruth. We see what every mother, every father should do with their children, and that is make every child in their family an individual study. An individual study of a person doesn't just get done at a glance. It's an individual study of a person takes time to spend with the individual, it takes time to talk with the individual. It takes time to think about the individual. It's so rare today. Who does this? It's so rare today. Because all this what we're talking about, time to spend, time to talk, time to think about, time, that's a costly sacrifice. But this is the sacrifice that Naomi has made for Ruth. And she made Ruth her individual study. And so this is the third phrase that emerges for us out of the book of Ruth. Make a person an individual study. Our children are all different. And if we're gonna cross the barrier to take the initiative of care with our children, then we're gonna make our children individual studies as Naomi did to see the particular needs for each one as individuals. And that's not only true of our children, it's true of the lost. Think of our master. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ and how in the ultimate sense he crossed the barrier between heaven and earth and how in the ultimate sense he took the initiative of care and how he made each one of us his individual study to provide just what we needed. That's why when we study the Gospels, we don't see the Lord Jesus Christ saying the same thing to each person. Why? because he's made each person his individual study. He made an individual study of one person, and he looked at this person, and as he individually studied him, he said, this individual is trusting in his riches rather than God. Therefore, to that one purpose, after his individual study of that person, he says to him in Mark 10, 21, Mark 10, 21, then Jesus beholding him, hey. Let's think of those words like he made him his individual study. All these instances, the Lord Jesus Christ took the time to make individual studies of each of these persons. He took the time to see what they needed and he addressed their need individually. And this is what you and I need to do with our children. As Cheryl used to say, we have three boys and they each can be described individually with three words, act, think, feel. David acts, Joseph thinks, Joshua feels. So when they're growing up, we tried to provide avenues for David to do things. We talked with Joseph a lot to satisfy his desire to think. We made provision for Joshua to paint and compose music on his violin and his piano so he could feel. And this is what we see Naomi doing here for Ruth in verse one. Naomi has made Ruth her individual study. And Naomi did her best day by day, to understand Ruth as an individual and to see what she needed. That's what we're seeing here. It's Naomi, after taking the time to spend with Ruth, after taking the time to listen to Ruth, after taking the time to think about Ruth, she sees what Ruth needs, and after all that individual study, Naomi just says to Ruth, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? What's so important is where Naomi says in verse one, shall I not seek for thee? That's really the initiative of care that Naomi has said. She didn't just say, you know, I hope rest comes to you, Ruth, because, you know, you really look kind of sad. Or, you know, I'll pray that rest will just come to you, Ruth. Naomi told Ruth, listen, I'm gonna be very much engaged in this project, and was she ever, of getting rest for you, when she said, shall I not seek rest for thee. Naomi was telling Ruth that she was going to make it her business. She was going to make it her first priority. And so what Naomi saw that Ruth needed was rest. She needed a rest for it to be well. It was a home she was pointing to. It was a home she was talking about. Naomi saw that Ruth needed a home for her heart. So when Naomi says to Ruth, that it may be well with thee, that's the same as Naomi saying to Ruth, this rest would be really good for you, Ruth. This is what you need. A home is just what Dr. Naomi ordered, you know. It's not popular today to talk about a woman should be called a homemaker. But that's what God has put in the heart of a woman. This desire to make a home. Today, the world says to women, "Well, you need to go out and fight in the dog eat dog fight world. There, get ahead, show the corporate world, rise to the top. You're equal for men. Best job for the men. For the best job is a woman. <laughs> Prove that you're equal with men." But that's not what God has put in the heart. God has put in the heart of a woman to be a home homemaker is a high calling. It's a very high calling of God in general for women. The calling is, 1 Timothy 5.14, I will therefore the younger women marry, bear children, guide the home. Guide the home. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. See, that work of guiding the home, a guide has to study each person in the home. A guide has to order the house according to the needs of each person. See, that's what did Titus 2.3, Titus 2.3 three. He says, the aged women likewise, that they may be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, love their children, be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Women are to be keepers at home. Proverbs 14.1 says, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with their hands. You know, that's a very interesting word when it says there, every wise woman buildeth. The word buildeth in Hebrew is very interesting because it's the same word that was used in Nehemiah's day for the builders of the wall when it says in Nehemiah 4.18, for the builders, everyone had a sword girded by his side and so builded, you know. So when you think of those in Nehemiah's day What were they doing? They were repairing the brokenness in the wall. Oh, look, there's a big breach in here. We gotta go repair this. Get some rocks. Okay, let's get the mortar. We gotta fix this. See, that? we're repairing the wall all around Jerusalem. And so that's a picture of the builder as he assesses the wall. Let me have a look. Let me study, make a study. Okay, here's the breach. Okay, now we gotta work on this. That's a picture of the woman who assesses the needs in her house and works to build it up. That in a nutshell is the woman of Proverbs thirty one. Proverbs thirty one twenty seven. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up, call her blessed, her husband also, and praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the Earth? Do you believe God created you in His image? Then come celebrate Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Museum Day is a Christian family festival event with life-size dinosaurs, games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, vendor booths, petting zoos, live animal encounters, and super science experiments for kids, along with world-renowned speakers Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, David Reeves. Russ Miller, Kevin Conover, Dr. John Baumgardner, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements for you and your family and entire church family are free. The Creation and Earth History Museum is located off of Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. So bring your family and friends on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and strengthen your faith at Museum Day. For more information, call us at 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org. CreationSD.org.